Well, hey, folks, and welcome back to the 747 Conversations podcast. It's your host, Chris Shembra, broadcasting live from beautiful New York City. The fall is in the air. Happy Halloween. On the line with uh, two of America's most inspiring and amazing founders, Brian and Shannon Miles, co-founders of the wonderful Inc. 500 Five Years Running Company, Belay Solutions, founded in 2010 after a wonderful message and a stirring from God and Jesus Christ has gone on to become Entrepreneur Magazine's number one company culture, doing amazing work in the virtual staffing space with close to a thousand contractors in a fully remote workplace, uh, taking sabbaticals, raising a family, doing business the right way. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Welcome to the podcast, you two. Thank you, Chris. We're excited to be here. Thank Appreciate you. the opportunity. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, as many of our listeners know, uh, this conversation is mainly about gratitude and community and leadership and values, but it just so happens that one of your company's core values is gratitude, which makes this next question so apropos, we always start off the conversation with the same question that this is going to be interesting asking two of you at the same time. But if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, you know, someone you've never even met before, someone you've known your entire life, who would that be? Yeah, I'll start. So uh, that's an awesome question. I'm I'm pretty intentional with expressing my gratitude, uh, but I would tell you that one person um, that I probably don't say it enough to is my good buddy, Brent, that's based in California. He's always been um, kind of a silent uh, encourager to me uh, at times and, and, and at the right times, he seems to pop into my life and encourage me in a way. So I'm, I'm very grateful for him. I'm obviously grateful for a ton of things, including the lady sitting next to me. Uh, and of course, God, who's given us this opportunity, but, um, I'd say that would probably be my answer off the top of my head. Yeah, that's good. Um, for me, since I can include somebody that I've not met before, right? Of course. Okay. So I, am not alone in this. Like she's a force of nature, but I would thank Oprah because I remember being a little kid coming home from school and watching her show and just being so inspired by her. And I grew up poor and, um, she obviously had a challenging upbringing and just to see her rise to the level of success that she did. There weren't many women in that space, um, that I could look up to at that time. She's just always been an inspiration to me. And just to see how over the decades she's continued to grow in her influence and her being, it's just been, um, inspirational. (laughs) So I would express my gratitude to her. If, if you were to meet her and she spent some time around you, what do you think she would be inspired by you, Shannon? Well, I have two chairs set up in my um, front yard, one for her and one for I. Where she, <laughs> we will meet someday and we will sit under the oak tree and we will have an Oprah-style conversation. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think she would be inspired by um, the way I've led um, team members through the organization, the way I've mentored other women, business owners, the way Brian and I have, um, 
you know, lived out our marriage and our business and then keeping our faith integrated in all of it, I think those things would, um, would resonate with her. Yeah. I mean, to, to take what you've learned from someone and then, uh, make it your own and then take your own teachings and teach them to others is, is really what right, God's great message is, is to, to be a shepherd and, and to teach and to lead teams and, and your people. Um, Brian, my, my question to you on that accord is, uh, you know, Shannon's giving credit and thanks to someone she's never met, but you're giving credit and thanks to someone uh, very dear to you in California. When did your, when did your relationship with him start? Is he a child? Yeah, it was in high school. We met, um, I think my sophomore year of high school. Um, so he's been a, you know, a force in my life for a really long time, including best man in my wedding. Um, and just seemingly there at the right seasons of, of life to, you know, one, be a friend that knows me, uh, but two, um, is, you know, comes alongside me and encourages me at the right time. And do you, do the two of you connect on the same things today as adults, as business professionals, um, as you did when you were kids or how, how has that relationship evolved with your interests and your, you know, the different chapters of your life and what you've both accomplished and, and whatnot? It's different today. I mean, um, obviously we live on different sides of, uh, the U S but I, I think it's just different because I've taken a different path of, of owning a business with Shannon and, um, he's, uh, an employee and a really great leader executive of a hospital system out in California. So we, we just are in two different lanes in terms of where we focus our time, but the constancy of friend, I think is, you know, what's there. And, and it's just like, you can pick right up, um, like Shannon has with a couple of her friends, you know, they're, they're not near each other, but when they get together, it's just like, they were never apart. Yeah. You don't miss a beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting hearing the two of your answers, you know, one person gives credit and thanks to essentially a stranger that one's never met before that you find inspiration from afar. And Brian, you give credit and thanks to a man that you found inspiration and strength through even at a distance. And how cool is it that you've built a company based on both of those principles? Yeah. (laughs) You've you've built a company where people don't necessarily have to have ever met the people that they're about to hire. Yeah. Right. Did, when did that when did that element start to matriculate you know back in 2010 with the two of you well you know we i had had a virtual assistant in my previous job uh, we didn't call them virtual assistants back then we just called them executive assistants but she lived in charlotte uh and of course i lived here in atlanta and i had worked with her for about seven years uh before we ever started this company so um we i knew what it what it meant to kind of work remote uh, and, and so did Shannon in her um, work capacity with her employer as well. So it wasn't a big stretch for us to think that this could work for other leaders. Um, and at the at that time too, in 2010, I mean, we were in the midst of the Great Recession. So a lot of employers, a lot of leaders were looking for ways to you know gain help but not add to their payroll. So you know it just made sense. We entered the market at what what felt like the right time for us, you know, our friends and family, not so much, uh, but it was the right time for us to, to make the leap. And, 
And when you, um, Shannon, my question to you is, you know, Brian had had seven years um, under his belt working with an executive or a virtual assistant. Um, when he brought this, um, when you two came up with this idea together um, and you having not had a virtual assistant prior, you know, what, what's that like to hear this idea and know that you haven't experienced the exact thing that you're about to go build a company around? Yeah, you actually started phrasing it right. Brian was the one to ideate what would become Belay and and propose it to me. And I saw how he and Trisha worked together over the years and knew that it worked for them. I had had experience working with a team support person who was remote and it was not great. Um, I think she was spread really thin. And, you know, even in the last nine years, the communication tools that are available, like the one we're on right now with Zoom, have evolved so significantly. Um, But I knew that remote worked. I had a a job where I could work part-time at home and then part-time on a client site. Um, So the skills that I could bring to start the company were more based around the work experience that I had had, you know, through project management, um, legal contracts, sales, you know, those, those sorts of things. So I, it didn't intimidate me so much that I hadn't had direct experience working with the service that we were going to provide because I knew that um, there were other things that I would contribute and other things that Brian would contribute that would become the whole of the company. And, and there was another person uh, that helped you start this company Um, that is, that is God. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, God is your number one. He gets the glory, not us. How, how did, how did God's message and wisdom, uh, and strength appear in, you know, the early days of the business to get you through those, you know, those really, really hard times of just getting something off the ground. And how does God now play into the business and how important is it to hire for, Right, cultural fit as you've become the number one company culture, uh, according to Entrepreneur Magazine. How do you how do you hire people that that believe in what you believe in there? Yeah, that's a that's a giant question. You know, I, I would say <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, no, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> um, first off, I mean, it's what we know because we do have a personal relationship with Jesus. So there's there's just that that's a constant in our lives in our family. I would say that, um, you know, I've always believed that um, God delights in our decisions and that he doesn't give us a specific thing to do unless it's very obvious, like a Moses. Otherwise, we're free to make good decisions. Um, and that's what I feel like we've, you know, we chose to do and to, to, to go and do that and create a business. We took risk. Um, in the early days um, with cashing out our 401ks and using that as our startup capital so that we didn't have to go to a bank or a private equity firm. Um, And, you know, in the midst of all that, it's hard to explain, but we just felt like God was present. Um, You know, there was not a, um, there was not an obvious don't do this. And there was not an obvious go do this. It was more of, I think he delighted in us making good decisions. So um, as we grew our business and as we continue to refine what our core values are and our mission, um, it today is really a watershed moment for those that read it. 
you know, um, if there are, if it's a client that's looking to, or prospect that's looking to become a client of our company, or if it's an applicant looking to join our team, um, if they read that, it's a watershed moment for them. Though they're either attracted by that or repelled by that, and either way, we're good. We're not there to throw Bibles at people or anything like that. We just want to live a life that's a decent example for others. I mean, what an example it's become. Um, not only have you have you been you know successful at, uh, at you know at bringing in the right applicants, right? Team is the is the number two uh, you know thing under your core values. What's so interesting on your website? I remember looking is that when you when you click on your company story you know most companies when you click on their company story it's just all about their founder and their company and how they got here um which you get to but the first two things on your website is your mission and then your values and then the people that are associated with it and what's neat about that order is that it allows you to empower others to to actually take action on the things that you believe in. And what's so cool about the timing of our podcast is that you're just getting back from this three-month sabbatical. I mean, folks, we're talking about two founders who have built a company with close to 1,000 subcontractors, 85 full-time staff, five-time Inc. 500, and they say, we're going to go on a three-month sabbatical. And you can't do that if your company is built on the story of the founders. You can only do that if your company is built on mission, vision, and values. You know, how important is that structure? And why did you take that, that sabbatical? And what did you learn there? I think that is such a perceptive um, point that you've made. Like We have always felt like in order to grow and scale the organization, it could not be about us. It had to be about the success of our clients and everyone carrying the mantle of our culture. Um, so right from the beginning, even, you know, we had, we practiced what we sold. We had um, Trisha that for five hours a week is our virtual assistant. We outsourced our bookkeeping and we had somebody else help us with our website. And those are the three things we do today. So we very much um, wanted to grow and, and leverage the business model that we would be selling for our business as well. And as we grew in team members, we wanted to maintain, you know, our mission and values and have them not just be something that are, you know, check the box. We've, you know, we've created those, but to actually live them out. And so practically speaking for us, that what, you know, it goes down to even like the events that we have with our team. Everyone has a theme that's centered around one of our core values. We just had a, a one day meeting where team was the value that we celebrated. So we use opportunities like that to keep our culture alive and make sure that it doesn't rest just on Brian and I's shoulders, but it's, it's the responsibility of everybody on the team. And so um, as we structured the business and, and knew, yeah, we, we cashed out our 401ks and we took big pay cuts to start this. We both quit our jobs at the same time to go all in on this business. We also knew we didn't want it to consume us. And so even that first summer um, when we were still, you know, operating in the red and terrified um, for what we had done, we, we still took a, a one week vacation with our kids because they were two and five at the time. And 
we just sort of had the mentality of if this business is going to grow and scale, it can't, it can't rest on us. And when we step away from the business for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, three months, um, it can be carried forward in a way that, that holds true to the culture and allows other leaders to rise up. And so it seems like a long time, you know, three months, but we have been systematically working toward this model since we started. And by the way, speaking of starting, uh, is the, the Trisha that was your first virtual assistant at the company, is, 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 that, is that the Trisha that's now your COO? That's right. Yeah. Holy talk about growth. <laughs> well, you know, Trisha was rather overqualified to be my assistant <laughs> um, you know, when I met her 15 years ago. Um, she was already a successful manager um, in a retail capacity, actually is in a, like an area or like a regional manager. So she had leadership qualities and she was really underutilized in her assistant role with me. But yeah, she, uh, you know, she's grown with our business really from minute one. And um, really proud to see her in this capacity as COO for our company. And, I, you know, a lot of people that work on our team are, you know, capable of of doing, you know, high capacity jobs, but it's also a trade-off sometimes for their family. Like Trisha took that assistant job way back when because she wanted to be there for her kids. And a lot of people have to make choices like that. So one of the things I love so much about what we do is with an all remote company, you can still be a professional, you can still grow in your career, you can still pursue other opportunities without having to sacrifice your family or your personal passions and, and sit in a car for two hours a day. I mean, that to me, that sounds like the dream. I mean, we're, we're, a, we're a fully remote team here at 747. Awesome. You know, we, we have people in the Philippines and Valencia, Spain and the Midwest and here in New York City and even people in New York City that uh, don't even come into the office. And, and so I, you know, I personally believe in backup what you all have built and the question that uh right we we run an events business our goal is to help people get together in person and my question to you all is you know how do you balance the you know when you talk about having um you know these core values that you build events around how often do you feel that you need to bring the team together whether it's just in small group format maybe two or three team leads coming together to a you know, to, for a meeting or whether it's a company, all hands, you know, what is, what are those, what does that calendar look like? How much face-to-face do you combine with this virtual, you know, team? Yeah, it really depends on the, the role or the, you know, the, what your responsibility is for the organization. Um, you know, like our leadership team gets together on a consistent basis, you know, you know, probably together face-to-face at least every four to six weeks. Um, our corporate team, so like our 85 full-time people, kind of our headquarters folks, if you will, um, you know, we'd like to see them get together in some way, shape or form four times a year. Um, you know, some of those are overnights and some of those are just, you know, drive to a meeting for a couple hours type of thing, uh, or fly in for, you know, meetings and then, you know, be with your team that you might lead. But it's really based on the role itself. We do, the bottom line is, is while we all are um, all remote or fully distributed, we also see the value in the face-to-face time because you pick up on things that you might not otherwise with Zoom. 
while it's an amazing tool, um, you get to know people, you know, over a beer or, you know, you, you get to have a meal together, you know, that's outside the context of work. And we encourage that for sure. Yeah. It, I think, I think I've heard a lot of people call it the, the water cooler chat. You know, it's uh, you're, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a glass of water and you happen to bump into someone that you've maybe, maybe is not on your team. And that, that promotes that, that cross divisional, you know, collaboration or that, or that cross team connection. Right. Is there any of that? I mean, you mentioned that you bring, you know, teams together, you know, the manager to get together with their team, but what about cross team unity? Yeah, we leverage our four times a year corporate meetings for those opportunities, whether it's, you know, bringing a couple different groups together to beat up a business problem and work through possible solutions, or it's just team building through a scavenger hunt. Like we absolutely see the value of connecting people across departments. Um, We also have something called Belay Buddies. And that's an opportunity for team members who would never work together on a daily basis. You know, two totally different departments, their work functions don't overlap. So our HR team will pair them up so that they can have a, you know, 15, 30 minute Zoom and just talk about whatever, you know, bring your coffee to the meeting and, you know, just make a personal connection so that when we are together face to face, they are more easily um, connecting with people that go beyond their teams. Was there ever a part in this company's rich history where you looked at each other and maybe you did it this morning for all I know, but you looked at each other and said, why the hoot and nanny did we do it this way? Would it have been different, easier, worse, better the other way, creating a centralized corporate facility do you ever have those doubts? How do you, how do you overcome those, you know, uh, um, you know, what ifs? Yeah. When we got to be about 30 people that are like on our corporate team, um, and this was several years ago, this has probably been around 2013 ish. Yeah. Somewhere in there we were growing pretty quick. You know, I, I thought maybe it was the right time to go ahead and get an office because that's what grown up companies do. And, um, so then we, we did a survey and we, we asked our employees, hey, you know, do you guys want to come work in an office? And guess what? None of them wanted it. Um, that's why in a large part, they came to us beyond our culture and they valued working from home. So we just kind of put that to rest and said, hey, well, um, or if we're going to practice what we preach and you know, we um, have virtual services, then we could scale our business in the same way. And so that really, we, we really haven't looked back on that decision at all. And frankly, I'm, I'm, I don't see a need. I'm, I'm struggling to see it, um, even with future growth and um, really, you know, feel really solid about that, that decision. Mostly the, the sit down and look at each other and say, you know, why did we do it this way? It, it's, it's more a, from a place of gratitude, like, thank God we did it this way and that we structured the company the way that we did. Cause it's allowed for so many amazing stories and, and, really life change um, for our team members. So it's more from a place of gratitude. So what does the future look like? I mean, you've, you've, uh, you've kind of proven it to yourselves that you can at least take some time off. Uh, but does that turn into taking more time off? Uh, you know, what kind of ideas or, or goals did you come back from your sabbatical with? Yeah. So, 
Um, and we had these thoughts before sabbatical, um, but we were able to kind of flesh them out. You know, well, first off, we had um, about 15 months ago, we had decided to open a brewery here in North Atlanta. Uh, and we did that. And the brewery is up and running today and, and is very successful with its own set of leaders that oversee that brewery. It's called Nofo Bruco. And um, wait, no, Nofo north of Fulton County? North, yeah, north? well, yeah, pretty close. We live in a county called Forsyth. And ah, yeah. we live in the northern part of the county, so it's nicknamed NOFO. That's great. And so we call it NOFO Bruco, and, and that is led by a great group of leaders. So we really own our business, not run our business. In the same way, you know, day-to-day, we've really worked ourselves out of a job so that Tricia and then our CFO oversee our leaders uh, of our company. So we, we believe in this mantra of owning, not running. And to, to the extent, um, so much so that we created an organization that we're actually lifting starting into 2020 called Own Not Run. And that's going to be a <laughs> consulting slash content slash hopefully inspirational organization where we help married business couples really own their businesses and grow their businesses and not run their businesses. And so we're excited about that in our future as well. I mean, it, you know, the, the language at which you've, at which you said, I mean, I can already tell you're, you're already an expert at content. Just the way you said that sentence, we, we pretty much fired ourselves as CEO. Like we, Mm -hmm. we took ourselves out of job. That's such a vivid yet needed thing for CEOs today is how can you fire yourself as CEO in order to just live better as a human, right? The, the mental health crisis that founders are going through today, mm-hmm. is that part of the addressable market for you all? Yeah, you know, we, we have this philosophy that we are stewarding what God gave us. And that takes all the pressure off of us because while we are responsible for what has been entrusted to us, we're simply a steward of it, which means that it's not ours and we're here to manage it for a season of time. You know, there's a day coming where we won't be the CEOs of this company. You know, we are to oversee it and to, and to, and to take good care of it while, while we're responsible for it. And, you know, when you look at it through that lens, you don't have to be the hero. You know, you don't have to be the one with all the answers. You can you know, empower others and get out of their way. It sounds like we're going to have to do a... Uh a second follow-up podcast late, late 2020 <laughs> on the concepts of owning, not running, which I absolutely love. Uh, the, the final kind of questions that we have uh, for this podcast today is if, if you could say one thing to <laughs> Oprah <laughs> or <laughs> If they were sitting in this room with you today <laughs> or your friend in California, what would you say to them? Well, first off, I'd have to pick Shannon off the floor and revive her. I, I would be so <laughs> over the moon. <laughs> I don't, you know, I would honestly, I would say, um, thank you for putting yourself out there and being an example of what it looks like to be a genuine, compassionate, strong businesswoman. And, um, thank you for just making a a poor girl from South Carolina realize that if you could accomplish these great things in life, then I could do anything as well. That was beautiful. I want to make sure she hears that. 
<laughs> Let her know. I'll dust the chairs off. I'm waiting for her to go with me. <laughs> and Brian? I would, you know, mine's pretty simple. It's, you know, I would let Brent know. Uh, and I'm actually, I'm going to do this after this Aww. interview. Um, as I just appreciate him being a constant in a world with a lot of variables. Um, he's just been a constant person in my life and I'm grateful. Well, I appreciate the both of you. Um, and I thank you for, for coming on our, on our podcast. Any, any last, uh, closing remarks before we end? We just want to thank you for having us on and um, for allowing us to just speak openly from our hearts about, um, you know, the things that we've experienced in the business. And I, I hope that our time today helps, helps your listeners. Yeah. To all our listeners, you know, I really hope that you've heard that you can do amazing things for this world, doing it the right way. Right. Some people say that nice guys finish last or I don't know what that bull hunky is, but I don't believe it. And these two are proof. You can build a big business. Serving great people, impacting thousands of lives. By focusing in on God. Gratitude, fun, passion, vision, team and empowering the people in your organization to own something uh, without you having to run it. And uh, I hope that you please check out belaysolutions.com for all of your virtual staffing needs. This isn't the podcast to dive into why you should be in a virtual staffing you know, capability. But uh, I can say that we're an entire virtually staffed company here at 747. It's something we wholeheartedly believe in. It allows me the flexibility to take my girlfriend out to lunch or travel to Italy to study a simple pasta shape. Um, you can really, really, really create a, a life that you value, right? Uh, my friend Dara Brustein calls it uh, life by design. And, uh, and you can do that by being a founder. You don't have to be stuck at the office all day. Um, so please check them out. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and 30 other platforms. Um, I hope you all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode. 